0: we continue on here at the NFL Combine. This is day number three. It's Thursday. For context, here on Radio Row, Casey Vallier is along. I'm Matt Taylor. And joining us now to talk NFL Draft. You see him all the time. You hear him on ESPN Radio during the draft. He's on Get Up. He's on Sports Center. He's everywhere. Jordan Reed is with us, NFL Draft Insider from ESPN and ESPN.com. Good to see you again, man. This is year number three for us visiting with yeah. you at the Combine.
1: Absolutely, Matt. It's always a pleasure being here. Like I telling you guys pre-show, there's plenty for us to talk about.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now, before we get into some of these quarterbacks and, and some of these uh, draft uh, speculation topics that we have for you, what is your favorite, because you're a, you're a newbie to mm-hmm. this, right? This is your third or fourth combine? This is my fourth one. Fourth combine. Okay, so what so far, what is your favorite draft ritual or tradition that you've been
1: able to establish in uh, Indianapolis Well, here? I mean, you have to get the shrimp cocktail. Right? Of course. <laughs> yeah, I get that every year, and even though it burns my mouth, and makes my eyes Is that your top priority, water. like day yeah. one? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I have to get that the first time. Time I come here. That's okay. like my welcome to the combine. Like, okay, I'm officially on <laughs> in the <Indy>. I'm <laughs> now ready now. You know, <laughs> yeah, I'm all ready. Right. All right, <laughs> all right. Anything else? um No. I mean, that's pretty much the um, stop off and yeah. shoot
0: some hoops somewhere. Oh, like, go no. to
1: Cambridge Field House, light it up. Oh, I, I looked to see if the Pacers were in town. I was looking forward to <laughs> yeah. seeing the Tyrese Halliburton, man, yeah. seeing mm-hmm. him play in person.
0: Absolutely. All right, well, let's get right after it. Gunslinger-wise, these quarterbacks, uh, there's a lot of guys to choose from, a lot of guys to like and and, and, uh, consider there in the top four where the Colts are at right now. Which of these gunslingers are you most bullish on that can be franchise quarterbacks?
1: So, I mean, you're going to hear about the top four guys, and I'll just start with Bryce Young of Alabama, the player that I like the most at the position, but the one knock that you're going to repeatedly hear about him is the size we'll see what he does end up measuring at I think the quarterbacks are doing measurements on Saturday morning this year which is a little bit different so we'll see what he does end up measuring at but with him as far as just playing the position he has everything that you want the the moxie the mentality that he plays with the killer instinct the poise he plays with the same heartbeat no matter the moment of the game but it's just the size you just have to be comfortable with him being an outlier this is just something that we haven't seen before and if I had to guess, he's probably 5'10 half, 195 pounds. As long as he hits that threshold, I think he'll be okay as far as going early, uh, as far as the
2: top five, but we'll
1: see what he does.
2: Now with that, does it matter? I mean, I want to know how much that measurement here matters because more than likely that's not what he's going to be playing at. You kind of want to look at what that tape is. So so how much, I mean I know it's impossible to to know what every GM is looking Mm -hmm. for and what, you know, everybody has their thresholds, but how much does that matter? How much will that matter what he weighs in here as compared to what he even does at his pro day? It's really a team-by-team basis just because there's some guys that like those bigger statured
1: guys just because they like to involve the quarterback in the design quarterback run game and Bryce just doesn't have the body to consistently hold up to that type of playing style and you see younger guys like joe burrow and justin herbert and jalen hurts these guys that are involved in that quarterback design running game that's just not really bryce's game now bryce is a i wouldn't say really good athlete i think he's probably a b-level athlete he he's able to get himself out of harm's way he's not a statue back there by any stretch of the imagination but you don't want to consistently involve him as far as taking hits as being a plus one in the running game, but like I said, as far as playing the position, he has everything that you want it 's just the size
2: now, I know with that it 's hard to say what it 's going to do for the future, but a guy like Bryce Young never seen you know five ten one eighty five whatever it is he 's going to measure at, is this something that if he can prove that he can make it, what is that going to do? for that position for the next decade? Well, we've seen it already. I mean, Kyler Murray. Right. I mean, it it seems like there's always exceptions, but you're kind of getting lower and lower on those. So what
1: is that going to do? It'll be huge just because I think size is something that evaluators have gotten a little bit more passive about, especially seeing guys like Drew Brees and Russell Wilson and being successful. And now with Kyler Murray, um, I think it's going to help Bryce. But like I said, it's just everybody has their different thresholds. So, this is going to be a team by team basis.
0: Yeah, put your GM hat on. I mean, Chris Ballard spoke earlier this week saying, you know, I don't know if we have to go from four to one to get yeah. a difference maker. But if you make that move from four to one, the guy you, you have to be so sure on, you have to be so yep. convicted on. There can't be a shadow of a doubt that this is your franchise quarterback because we all know what happens if you get it wrong. So, for you. Do you have a player that you're so convicted about? Like, if you're yeah. if you're a general manager, is there a player in this bunch that you're just so convinced is going to
1: have a good pro career? Stroud would be that one. He would be the one that I would be most comfortable with just because he has the size that you're looking for. You know he's going to be able to step in from day one and be able to contribute. He's extremely smart, and then he's just so polished. And... Just to paint a picture, I like using cross-sport analogies. So with CJ, he's like an ace pitcher on opening day. He's just so smooth. Okay. Um, he's just a natural at the position. He's so polished as far as read, see read, see, and, and everything. Right. And then he doesn't have a super strong arm, but he has enough to push the ball down the field. So Stroud would be the one that I'm most comfortable with that doesn't have a bunch of flaws yeah talking with
0: folks here the the comparison on on cj stroud in the, in the league right now is jared Goff. yeah do you see that because i mean a lot of when people hear that it doesn't depending on who you are it doesn't get a lot of people
1: fired right. up right i mean It's not gonna get a lot of people fired up, but Jared Goff went to a Super Bowl. Right. Right. He was very successful for Detroit last year. And I think especially in a class where nobody instantly loves a quarterback, I think you're gonna be more safe with the floor of these quarterbacks. And I think C J has the highest floor. He may not have the highest ceiling, but as far as being able to come in and contribute right away, as long as you have a good offensive line, a run game and weapons around him, I think CJ. So you're saying he has the
0: highest baseline. Absolutely. As 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 far as contributing, if they
1: had to step on the field tomorrow, Mm -hmm. I think C.J. would be your best bet.
2: Now, when you talk about highest ceiling, I think we all know who that guy is with Anthony Richardson. I mean, the guy seems like just a freak athletically. He's got the size, got the arm Mm -hmm. strength. It seems like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. That seems like one of the things we've heard all week. When you're looking at this and you've got, I would say, the other two guys, Will Levis and and Anthony Richardson, Mm -hmm. where are they on your comparison? And and where is the gap between those two guys? Mm -hmm. Because I think we know where it is between those guys and Stroud and Young. So I put Anthony Richardson as my third quarterback
1: in September, and everybody was like, whoa, Like, what are you doing? This (laughs) was when Hendon Hooker was making his high ascension Mm -hmm. and everything like that. But the best way that I can describe it is that there's so many different layers to his evaluation, and I'll go all the way back to last year. So last year he rotated time with Emory Jones, who ended up transferring to Cincinnati. Those two guys had no idea who was going to take the snaps the next series of the game. So I don't even count that past season as far as him starting. Last year was his first year starting to me. And they didn't let him do a whole bunch as far as the offensive scheme just because everything was pistol, play, action, faker, booting to his left and coming back to the right. So what we have to figure out is the why behind that. Why didn't they let him do more? And everybody looks on paper at the 53% completion percentage, but a lot of it is just footwork with him which is you have to trust your coach and coming through the door. We see he has the bazooka arm strength. Right. He's not very accurate right now, but a lot of that is centered around his footwork. But as far as being able to see the field, the dissecting coverages, and then being decisive as far as knowing where to go with the football, he has that. But once again, it revolves back to the accuracy standpoint. He has to get better with his footwork. Now, I'll say this. The tricky part about his evaluation is that everybody wants to use the Patrick Mahomes blueprint of where you want him to sit for a year, you want a seasoned veteran, but the only way Anthony is going to get better and work through these flaws is to play. That's the tricky part about his evaluation.
2: And, And that's one of the things, I mean, in the NFL, there's really no patience. Exactly. It's, it's really, really difficult. Exactly. Now, one of the things the Colts did, they have a new coach in Shane Steichen who's got you know, a, a wide range of quarterbacks that he has had time with. And one of the things that he mentioned, how he thinks in the NFL, accuracy numbers, they can definitely increase. That's one way you can improve that. So from a national perspective, a guy who has worked with a handful of different quarterbacks... Is that a guy that you can see a Shane Steichen and a Chris Ballard kind of taking yeah, a chance on? Because absolutely. of the high ceiling, you get this huge boom, and you got a guy who's already worked with a handful of different quarterbacks.
1: Absolutely, and it goes back to the ceiling or the floor discussion. And if I'm Shane Steichen, I have to look to the future. I have to beat Patrick Mahomes. I have yeah. to go through Justin Herbert. I have to beat Joe Burrow. So is a guy like C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or Will Levis going to give me that opportunity to do that, or do I want to trust my coaching, and coach up this freak athlete that I think can step on the field tomorrow and do exactly what Justin Fields did as a runner last year. I think he's going to be him, Lamar Jackson, and Justin Fields as far as the top three runners in the NFL right away. But you have to trust your coaching and quarterback developing to get that side of the game to catch up. But what I always say about these mobile quarterbacks is that it's great to have mobility, and that's why the game is catering towards them just because they can use that as a kickstand while the mental part of the game catches right. up yeah. to the mobile side. So if you take Anthony, you have to trust your coaching to coach up that footwork, coach up that decisive playmaking, mm-hmm. and then just galvanize it around that athleticism that he has.
0: That's Jordan Reed, NFL Draft Insider for ESPN. Generally speaking, where are you with playing a rookie quarterback right out of the gate, especially if you're going to pick that guy in the yeah. top
1: 15? I always like having a veteran in the room just so you can use him as a bridge. The worst thing that can happen is that guy plays the entire year, that guy sits the whole year, and then you start him in year two. So I I always think it's great to have a veteran in the room just because these guys have no idea how to be a pro. They don't know how to prepare. They don't know how to study. They don't know how to watch film. They don't know what they're looking at from an NFL perspective. So I always say if you're a team thinking about drafting a quarterback, go sign a 10-plus-year veteran just because that knowledge is so great for them, just because yeah. they don't know. They say they know. They went through it in college,
2: right. but they don't know. Now, I know this is something that's going to continue to grow. We, we saw the Jalen Carter news yesterday. Yeah. When you look at that from the top end of this draft, it was kind of you got the quarterbacks, and then you got Will Anderson and Jalen Carter. Now, kind of Jalen, I'm not sure what's going to happen there, but how do you think that's going to shake up the top of the draft with teams that don't need a quarterback and these other teams that might say, hey, yeah. you know, we might need to jump up and get a quarterback because that's where the, the deepest part of this is. I, I
1: think it makes the Bears think twice about trading back just because, and I said this, I think the sweet spot for them to trade back was for that, the Colts right. just because – I think Houston's going to take a quarterback, so you guarantee yourself one of Will Anderson or Jalen Carter at that fourth spot for the Bears. So it throws a wrench in a lot of things right now, and, you know, I can't speak on his legal situation. Right. I don't know what's going on with that, so I can't give more details about that. So we'll see what does happen with you. So that. that news is not good for the Colts then? No, it's not, yeah. just because I think the the natural marriage – with the Colts was to trade up with the Bears and if I had to pick one team that would trade up to one it would be the Colts that was my vote just because Poles and Chris Ballard they work together in Kansas City and then also I think the Bears wanted to trade back and feel comfortable a spot of getting Will Anderson Mm -hmm. or Jalen Carter and then also I'll say this I think Jim Irsay wants his pick of the litter just because he saw what Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning did for him at one overall so he wants to say, "Hey Chris, let's just go up. We're tired of the veteran retreads. Let's just go get our guy. Go get your top ranked guy on the board." Yeah. Now,
2: I want to I want to dive real quickly outside of quarterbacks, just because w- when you when you draft a guy, you need weapons around him. When you look at position groups, whether that be running back, wide receiver, tight end, where do you think the most value is in this draft? Because it seems like the last handful, it's been wide receiver heavy. Yeah. This year, it seems like maybe they're a little down. Not necessarily a a worse group, just not nearly as heavy at the top. Yeah, so we've been really spoiled with
1: really good wide receiver classes yeah. over the past few years. We've seen guys go top 5, top 10 like Jamar Chase in a great class last year with Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and Jamison Williams going at the top, and Drake London too. All those guys going inside the top 12. Now, there isn't that type of guy, there isn't that bona fide wide receiver one that you know is going to be a superstar mm-hmm. walking through the door, but if you're looking for a bunch of complimentary second wide receivers that eventually possibly could be that number one, this is the draft class For that, so I think I don't know if we're going to see one go inside the top twelve, but inside of the top fifteen, I think that's where the run could start. And then also tight end, I think tight end is the deepest position group of any in this class. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I think we could see as many as six or seven go inside the top two rounds. How
0: many? How many are true able to block
1: tight ends? So Darnell Washington, I think he's the best blocker of the group, just because how he was utilized at Georgia. Dalton Kincaid is not. Luke Musgrave can in spurts. Um, Outside of that, Tucker Craft, I think he's a little bit more versatile.
0: How many, how many teams prioritize that still? Really make that an it, emphasis. It
1: really just depends just because you're going to roster two to three tight ends, so it's kind of like yeah. we're going to use them kind of like a basketball team. You have your blocker you have your pass catcher, and then you have your third one, which can do a little bit of both. So right. you really want to package all those guys together, and it really just depends on what you have on the roster. Like for the Colts, they have somebody like a Jelani Woods who can block and then also be a pass catcher too. So now you can afford to take that guy who you want as an inline blocker, or you can get your true what I like to call F tight end that yeah. you can move around a little bit.
0: Going back to last year's draft, remember the name Andrew Ogletree? Oh, out of Youngstown State. I mean, just a terrible thing for him, tearing his ACL uh, there in training camp when he was just really on the come and the ascend. And it looked like he was actually ahead at the time of Jelani Woods in terms of Mm -hmm. progress and adaptation to the NFL. How much translation do you still think he has to the
1: NFL, coming think, from
0: a small school?
1: Yeah, that's the tough part, especially when you're talking about small school guys. The, the level of competition, it's a big jump for them. So it's kind of like, whoa, it's much faster than what I'm accustomed to seeing. So, But as he gains reps, as he gets healthy, I think he'll continue to get better. All
0: right, for you, take me back to last year. How, how much college football do you consume during the
1: fall? So – during the season, I'm actually on the road every okay. weekend. I'm live scouting. So yep. I mainly stay in the southeast okay. for the most part. So I'm, in, I'm based in Charlotte. So I'm going from SEC games to <laughs> ACC games. Yeah. I'm going to back and forth. So that's what I do during the year. Uh-huh. And then during the week, I'll get the coaches' film of all the games. i have guys by position that I'll – I'll go through and I'll write up, and then I'll just do that pretty much from August all the way through December. So that's what yeah. the back end of the year <laughs> consists of me, but the live scouting is so much fun, just getting, being able to experience different stadiums around the country. Like I was at Alabama-Tennessee yeah. when that oh, game man. happened this year. It wow! Just being able to experience things like that, seeing guys up close. Is, I'm living the dream, man. That's, yeah. the, that's the great part about this job, seeing guys up close and then just seeing them transform from August now here to the combine.
0: And I always heard, like when you watch film – And when that's your job, when that's your livelihood, when you watch film, you can watch it start to finish, yeah. rewind it, you know, watch the play several mm-hmm. times, and then come back five days later, watch the same film, and you see something different, yeah, right? That's, or that's, you see, it, you see yeah. it from a different perspective.
1: Yeah, that's the best part about this job. We're all watching the same thing, but we have a million different opinions. <laughs> yeah. I, the truth? I always compare scouting to buying a car. So August through December, you're seeing the exterior of the car. Uh-huh. And you can go back, you can look online, you can scroll all the pictures, but now the combine and then eventually to the draft, you're going to the dealership. You're seeing the interior of the car. You're lifting the hood up. You're seeing the engine, just the mental makeup of these guys, and then also the athleticism. So yeah. it's kind of like buying and investing in a car. And
0: then you see that coffee stain on the exactly. front seat. Like exactly. did, wait a minute, how the did le- that the get leather, there? The, leather, or, the yeah. leather's a little bit ripped <laughs> on <laughs> the console. Or they put like a little napkin over that <laughs> right, in the picture, yeah. and then you like you know, wait a minute, how did that <laughs> get there, right? Yeah. I love it, man. Well, thank you so much for your time. We always enjoy talking with you. This is one of our favorite stops here at the Combine. Best of luck with everything, and uh, enjoy the rest of your stay here in Indy. Absolutely. Thank you guys as always.